Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your twice-weekly podcast about a podcast that might be too beautiful to live. In the Stick of Butter Studios in New Brighton, Minnesota, I'm Anne Lundholm. On Mondays, we bring you a recap of the previous week of TBTL, but today's Friday, and you never know what we're going to pull out of the hat these days that will hopefully show our love for TBTL's past. We've got a really fun topic this week, and all the gal pals of LRB are here to discuss it. First up, from Linwood, Washington, it's the nice lady, Christy Wise. Hello, Christy. Hello, Anne. And also on the line from Lincoln Park, Michigan, it's Meredith the MVH Van Harn. Hi, Meredith. Hi, Ann. It's a ladies' night. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't tell Mike. <laughs> this will not stand. So as usual, we will have a little something that we must discuss related to this topic. We will um, play and do a little commentary on some TBTL history clips. We'll do some housekeeping and we'll tell you how to get involved with the show. I am really excited for the topic tonight. And that topic is the TBTL players. And I've wanted to do it for a long time, but I couldn't really figure out how we would make a whole show parsing out the content of the TBTL players. Because at some point, what can you say beyond, ha 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 ha, that was funny, Sean did a weird voice. Like I wasn't sure how much deeper we could get into it. Well, that's basically all the comments I have. So <laughs> yeah, show's over. Yeah. <laughs> So usually when we do clip shows, I try to pick like four or five decent sized clips and we do a pretty deep dive on them. But there are so many hysterically funny TBTL players clips that I decided just to load up on them and put as many as I could into the show. So hopefully this will be a show that's kind of heavy on TBTL content and a little bit lighter on commentary from us. I think I have close to 40 minutes of tape wow. to play. So let's start with uh, uh, must discuss. You guys know I like to kind of get our own perspective on the topics before we get into them. So I want to talk about live theater and what kind of experiences any of us have with live theater. Now, Christy, this mm -hmm. is very um, fortuitous because you just went to see Hamilton, right? I did. I did on Saturday. And it was eh, meh. Yeah, I'll take it or leave it. No, just kidding. It was amazing. <laughs> and I do this thing because I love musical theater. When I go to New York, I try to see at least two shows. Um, and um, I do a thing where I won't listen to the soundtrack before because I don't want it to be spoiled for me. Mm -hmm. um, that was really difficult to not listen to Hamilton since that's all anyone's ever been talking about since it came out. And I'm so glad I didn't listen because everything was new to me. Now I want to listen to the soundtrack and see it again um, and find things that I didn't see the first time. But I'm really glad I um, stopped myself. Christy, from doing the that. soundtrack is wonderful. I mm -hmm. haven't seen Hamilton, but I've, I've got the soundtrack. The remix, I think it's called the mixtape, the Hamilton mixtape. Incredible. Hmm. What, and what is this? So this is like a selection of songs from the soundtrack redone by modern artists. What? Like there's an Ashanti Jaw Rule duet. No. Okay, yeah. I'm looking it up today. It's on Spotify? Yes. Okay. I'm too young to have a Pandora, so I don't know. <laughs> <about that. laughs> 
Um, there's like a Busta Rhymes, um, Queen Latifah, Ben Folds, and um, uh, oh gosh, what's her name? The woman who always sings with him from Russia, Regina Spector. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do oh, a duet. Gosh, it's just, it's really fantastic. There's some amazing songs on that. I um, did have an experience where, um, if people don't know about it, it's all it's about, you know, Alexander Hamilton. And all of the characters in it are people of color, except for King George, of course. Right. Um, and there was a woman in the line in the bathroom who was very upset. And she was very upset that black people were playing the Founding Fathers. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, woman, you probably spent $200 on this ticket. Why don't you give it to someone who wanted to be here? Why is she there? I mean, is she completely unaware of the premise of the show? I I don't know. I didn't dig because I would have punched her in the face. Mm. Yeah. I'm not in fighting shape right now with one arm. So Uh, so Meredith, are you a musical fan as well? Well... I'm not anti-musical. I don't have a huge soft spot for them, and I haven't seen a ton of them. But my um, live theater experience uh, extends into high school, and I joined uh, theater in high school, but I didn't want to be talent. Um, (laughs) I'm much more comfortable behind the scenes. And so I learned how to do the lights. And so that's what I did in high school. I I loved being in the control booth. Um, I loved setting up the lights and learning how that board worked and all that stuff. So that was awesome. And I did that um, for several plays that we would do throughout the year. And then I, I worked with our one act troupe and we actually went to state championships and I got to do the lights for that, I think in 11th grade. So that was, that's my theater experience. Meredith, I'm kind of gobsmacked because I also was very involved in high school theater. Now, I desperately wanted to be talent, but when you are a a six-foot girl uh, who is not an ingenue (laughs) type and who is of mm, moderate talent, you don't tend to get cast a lot when your program, your high school program, sort of has pretensions to being professional, kind of. I know what you mean. And as a result... I ran the lights. <laughs> <laughs> I did the lighting booth. I can patch a light board. I can hang in gel mm-hmm. lights. Yep. I did probably half a dozen shows from the light booth, including I think my favorite was when we did Dracula. Ooh. And uh, there was a scene that was a storm. And so we actually, we had sound guys up in the booth too. And the sounds were so complicated that there were two of them. And so I would coordinate with them to let them know when to hit the thunder button. And then I could hit right. the lightning button the lightning. whenever mm-hmm. I felt like nice. it. We had a lot of fun doing that. <laughs> I love it. So that was very fun, but I definitely would have rather been on the stage. See, I was super happy being behind the scenes. That was where I belonged. Like when I worked in a restaurant, I worked in the kitchen. I was I did not belong on the floor. <laughs> I always knew that uh, if you're going to be a woman who is outside the physical norm, you either have to be extremely attractive or extremely talented. And I was mm-hmm. not quite either of those two. So 
Uh, I still had a really good time, though. Well, I think you are extremely talented and extremely beautiful. So, oh, thank you. <laughs> Was also a full head taller than many of the boys <laughs> yeah. who were the right. leading men. It doesn't do you any favors in high no. school. No. And like when we did South Pacific, the directors were like running around the school desperately trying to find anybody who looked ethnic to fill in parts for Pacific Islanders, you know. Mm -hmm. So unless you were ethnic or you look like you could play a perky nurse, you weren't going to get cast Mm -hmm. in that movie or in that play. So sort of a, a double-edged sword for me in that it was a really good program, but it was one that I didn't quite fit into. And so eventually I just concentrated on singing where it doesn't matter what you look like at all. And I feel a little bit better about my talent level. But I always have loved musicals and plays. I just don't go see them very often because it's so expensive. It is really and it is, it's one of those things that still is a little bit weird to do alone. I'm fine like eating at restaurants by myself and going to most things by myself, but going to the theater is still a little bit strange. Really? Yeah. I'm opposite. I can't eat in a restaurant alone, but I would go to anything like that alone. Hmm. I guess for me, it just highlights my aloneness more when I'm sitting in a theater than when I'm sitting in the restaurant, but... That's okay. I should get myself one of those blow-up dolls and take them with me. <laughs> yeah, that won't be weird at all. Have Mike <laughs> loan you one of his. <laughs> I don't want the sheep. <laughs> it could be your service animal. Oh, yeah. My emotional support blow-up sheep. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, let's talk about the TBTL players. I thought that maybe we should have some general observations about them before we play the clips. Like, I was thinking... Um, as I was re-listening to all these clips today, that anytime there is any gender swapping, it is always Sean. Like Luke <laughs> never ever plays a, a woman. In yeah, any and Luke of these. always plays the alpha male. Yes, mm-hmm. he always plays the hero. Yep. Sean has to play the weird characters mm-hmm. that are defined by their voice qualities mm-hmm. and Luke generally doesn't. <laughs> and, and Sean's choice in um, accents and affectations is really interesting. Um, specifically with our first clip from High School Musical, I don't understand why he chose the voice that he did. Um, but I haven't seen High School Musical and so I'm just really hoping it's not what I think it is. Oh no. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I would like to know more, um, as usual, I have questions. Um, I'd like to know how far in advance they would get the scripts. Would Jen just say, you're this person, you're this person? Would she divvy it out? Um, There's sometimes when it seemed like it came directly from the script, like word for word. And then Mm -hmm. there's others where she, someone, I assume she did, clearly just invented it all. Mm -hmm. And I want to know more about all of that. Yep. Um, one of the things that I love most about the TPTL players is their refusal to acknowledge that they are the TPTL players. <laughs> I think we yeah. don't have to maintain that fiction here, right? No. Even though they've done it live in front of audiences. Right. <laughs> well, and I love that, especially the 
a Chicago show. I think there's been another one where they actually physically leave the stage mm-hmm. and then come back. Yes. <laughs> well, I and think then do it. I, I people who were at the Chicago show will have to remind us, but I feel like they were there was a sheet, like they were behind a sheet. Oh, okay. that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the thinnest of barriers to maintaining that but at this at the 10th anniversary show when they were getting ready to do the golden girls thing jen was like i'm really upset that now they know that it's us <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 10 years later a peek behind the curtain i love that they couldn't actually settle on where the tbtl players were from sometimes they were from england classically mm-hmm. trained some at mm-hmm. uh, one time they were from netherlands? Like the netherlands yeah the netherlands mm-hmm. um and they never gave them names. It would have been a great segment to interview the TBTL players. Oh, oh my goodness. How could you ever keep that straight? Right? They couldn't have. That would have been the, that would have would have been been the awesome. best part. <laughs> you know, it strikes me as we're talking about this. Do we need to give any background on the TBTL players for our Ooh, newer audience members? I never even considered that before. Possibly. There's a lot of new people that yeah. I'm sure that the 10th anniversary TBTL players was the very first time some people had ever heard of it. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Well, for people who uh, have not been torturing themselves by listening to every TBTL for the last <laughs> 10 years, the TBTL players used to be a regular feature on the radio show for sure. And a little bit into the podcast, but not too often. Um, And they were used as an introduction to a segment, especially if they were going to talk about some pop culture movie or TV show. Like, I think, was it a, they did a Why It Matters Battlestar Mm -hmm. Galactica, I think it was. And they did the scene from Battlestar Galactica to introduce the segment. I actually considered using that one. I mean, spoiler alert, I did not pick it. Mm-hmm. It was pretty funny, but it didn't add anything that we didn't already have with all the clips that we are going to listen to. Um, so they would often use it as as an introduction to a topic of some sort, a way to, to make it fun. Yeah, that's what I, I loved about it, because it would usually happen. I don't remember if it was the second or the third hour, but they'd come back from commercial and it would be a cold open of Sean doing the directions or the TBTL players. And then we just knew that it was going to be an hour of why it mattered or something else that was amazing, a deep dive into some topic. And I, I always really loved that. Yeah, it was really fun and um, pretty uh, vanity free on some people's <laughs> parts. <laughs> and, uh, and very much live. Uh, so no matter what happened, it was always on with the show. And that's what I really, really love about mm-hmm. that. It's like um, there's a couple times where we'll even hear it in these clips. But a lot of the times someone would break and it was usually Jen. And that <laughs> I love that about when Saturday Night Live characters will break. It was, wasn't it usually Jimmy Fallon? Oh, he's um, so <laughs> notorious. He's for so that. terrible. Yeah. Well, And it was so funny. It made it so, so great. Funny. It made it even better. Yeah. I'll remember till the rest, till the day that I die, the Chris Farley, the van down by the river mm-hmm. sketch, and it's David Spade and Christina Applegate just 
cannot keep it together. No, I mean, they, they actually no. have their hands in front of their faces because they're just outright <laughs> laughing. It's so yeah, funny in that. Can't do their lines. And also, another one is um, Amy Poehler and Horatio Sands and she, that's her stepdad, Rick. Right. And she just Rick, crawls Rick, 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 all Rick, Rick. over him. Like, <laughs> and all it is is her saying Rick and he just can't do anything. <laughs> and I really think that skit was there just to torture him. <laughs> all right. Let's get into these clips. Okay. Uh, as always, I would like to start by thanking the archivists who found these clips for me. Big thanks goes to Megan Coughlin. Um, I oh took gosh. a lot of these clips from a best of TBTL that was all about the TBTL players. It was 10 of them, like the top 10, oh. all grouped together in one episode. And so some of these had been archived by other pe people, but this was just a little nugget of gold. So thanks to Megan for uh, archiving that episode. Also, oh, Christy, did you change that? I did. Miley Nakano. I, I yep. knew we talked about her before, but I was like, I can't remember what her initials stood for. Yep. Um, Phyllis came up with one of these, which was really great. Yep. And a special mention, I, I think I pulled 22 clips to look at, and I ended up using nine. But among those were a couple pulled by uh, Corey Plucker. That I didn't end up using, and also two that you found, Meredith, that just weren't quite right. But I was really happy to be able to review all of those. So <laughs> thanks to everybody, as usual. I can't believe there was that many. How many do you oh, think? Oh, there was total? ton. I'm sure there was more than that because we haven't archived all the radio days. Right. True. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. As soon as we get done, we there needs to be a count of how many. Because I know since. Since it became podcast only, there was only a few. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's plenty enough to keep us happy. All right. Let's get into this first one uh, as previewed. This is from High School Musical. And I think this was uh, an intro to a discussion about High School Musical where Jen actually went and rented it because it was such a big pop culture phenomenon that she decided she had to, to find out what all the fuss was about. And... Uh, and uh, this was the opener. And now, the TVTL players. Interior. High school hallway. Troy, the school jock, spots a girl he met at a karaoke party over winter break and thought he would never see again. Hey, I don't believe it. Oh, oh me? Neither, but how? Well, my mom's company transferred her here to Albuquerque. I can't believe you live here. I looked for you in the lodge New Year's Day. We had to leave first thing. Why are you whispering? What? Oh, uh, well, my, my friends know about the snowboarding. Um, I'm, I haven't told them about the singing. Too much for them to handle? Oh, no, no, it was cool, but uh, my, my friends, you know, that's not what I do. That, that, was, that was like a different person. Uh, so, uh, hey, welcome to East High. Oh, now that you've met Miss Darbus, I bet you can't wait to sign up for the musical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I won't be signing up for anything for a while. I just want to get to know the school. But if you sign up, I'd consider coming to the show. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's completely impossible. What's impossible, Troy? I would think the word impossible isn't in your vocabulary. Oh, so nice of you to show a new classmate around. 
She turns and signs up for the musical by writing her name so big it takes up all the spaces. Oh, were you going to sign up too? My brother and I have starred in all the school's productions, and we really welcome newcomers. There's a lot of supporting roles in the show. I'm sure we can find something for you. Oh, no, 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 no. I was just looking at all the bulletin boards. There's a lot going on at this school. Nice penmanship. So, Troy, I missed you during vacation. What did you do? Oh, you know, uh, <clears throat> played basketball, uh, snowboarding, uh, uh, more, more bass. Definitely not singing. When's the big game? Uh, two weeks. You are so dedicated, just like me. I hope you'll come to watch me in the high school musical. Toodles. Toodles. All right, so let's uh, let's start off with uh, Sean's artistic choice. So, who's seen this movie? I have not. I have. Was that accurate? No. Okay. Good. (laughs) (laughs) This is he's doing the Vanessa Hudgens character, who's just a normal high school girl. Oh, interesting. Why does he mm-hmm. give her a lisp? Because she's a teenager. Okay. Um. Well, also, we. I mean, of course, Sean hasn't seen this movie. No, 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 of no. Not. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. I. I don't know why I didn't. It has Zac Efron, and it's a musical. Like that plays to everything that I love. Mm-hmm. Um. So after listening to this terrible clip, I um, looked for it and I can't find it. But did you know they have three of these movies? Uh huh. <laughs> What? I didn't see two and three. I only saw one, and that was plenty enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is it like Glee, but a movie? Um, yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's okay. been a long time since I watched it, but it's Zach Efron as the star basketball player who's secretly into singing and dancing, and Vanessa Hudgens is the new girl in school, and they come together for the high school musical and there's drama and there's a mean girl who uh jen is playing sharpay is her name who wants to be the star and doesn't um appreciate any potential uh usurper to her throne i see it's standard tween fair but they're Mm -hmm. all very cute and it's very wholesome and there's some basketball singing and that's about all that I remember (laughs) okay (laughs) I don't think that it was really necessary for Jen to watch it and for them to do a whole segment on it but you know they had three hours of radios to fill every night do something (laughs) is this have you okay and have you seen pitch perfect Mm -hmm. I really like pitch perfect all of Mm -hmm. them I love pitch perfect Mm -hmm. is this kind of in the same vain no okay i don't think so no 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 no. because it doesn't make fun of itself like pitch perfect oh it's not as Mm -hmm. self-aware no because that's part of the pictured it more like grease and um glee put together 
Yes, it's more of a Saved by the Bell level of acting. Oh, okay. Ooh. I'm not convinced. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I won't pay to see this movie. <laughs> no. It's um it's not subtle. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but it did launch the acting career of Zach Efron, so we do have to give mad props to it. Thanks I a know. lot, high school musical. <laughs> <laughs> All right, should we go to the next one? Mm-hmm. All right. This is from when they do the famous scene, probably the most famous scene in Saved by the Bell history. Um, let's take a listen. Interior. A teenage guy knocks on a bedroom door and enters. He sees a teenage girl asleep on her bed. Jesse? Jesse, hey, wake up. Come on, we got to go to the max. Come on, Jesse. Come on. Zach? What, what time is it? I have to take my geometry test. You already took the test. I did? Yeah, it's 6.30. We gotta go. Come on. Where are we going? Where are we going? You're singing tonight. Singing? Yeah. Singing tonight? Yes. Wait, what am I gonna wear? Jesse, remember? Lisa's bringing your costume. Right. I, I have to wash my hair. Jesse, there's no time. No time! There's never any time! I don't have time to study. I'll never get into Stanford. I'll let everyone down. I'm so confused. Jesse, hey, 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 just calm down. It's okay. You're right. Everything will be okay. I just need one of these. Pills? You really taking drugs? I need them. Jesse, give me those. I need them, Zach. I have to study. Jesse, you can't sing tonight. Yes, I can. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so scared. Jesse, hey. Jesse, hey. Don't be scared. We'll get through this. When I wake up in the morning and the alarm gets out of water, I don't think I'll ever make it on time. By the time I got my books and I give myself a look, I'm at the corner just in time to see the first bye-bye. Okay. <laughs> um, I just have to say, this clip means a lot to me, This um, them doing Say by the Bell, because my sister heard it and then decided that she needed to try to get me to listen to TVTL. I didn't listen at the time. And she, because her husband kept saying, oh, you have to listen to this. And I'm like, it's on Cairo? No, I, I, I'm not going to listen to it. It's probably about baseball. I have no interest in this, but I'll just smile and nod and say I will. And then she said, no, listen, they just did this. I'm so excited scene from Saved by the Bell. And I'm like, interesting. And then the next time I went over there, they played it while we were eating dinner to trick me to listen. And then I was in since then. So um, it has a lot of meaning to me. But do you guys remember watching this episode of Saved by the Bell? Yes. No. And did you watch it? No. No, I've seen it in clips many times since mm -hmm. then. But I don't remember. Now, Christy, let's be honest. You and I were a little bit old for Saved by the Bell. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Meredith was about the right age. Yeah, this we is a very special a episode. This was a very special episode, and it seemed very important to me. And it seemed very serious and dangerous. And it was <laughs> caffeine pills. I know. I feel like they might have even come on before and after. Remember when they used to do that yeah. on shows? Mm hmm and say, if you know if someone you have that a is problem, addicted, <laughs> call this 800 right. number. And then before and after the commercial, it would be like Lisa, Lisa Tuttle. 
Yes. to tackle a very important topic. Watch this with your family. Right. If you have questions, call 1-800. Yeah. I don't know why I was watching. I think it was one of those... Because we didn't have DVRs, right? So you watched what was on TV. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I came it must home. have been on after school or something. Mm-hmm. I think it was on right when I got home from school, and that's when you would do your homework. Yeah. Or whatever. And also, I had a younger sister, so I would watch those cheesy, terrible shows and just be like, oh, I'm just watching with her. Like, I don't even care about this show, you know? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I totally liked it. It's always when you are the same age as the characters, that's when you're too old. To right. watch it. <laughs> Those teen and tween things. Yeah, it's a good point. Wait, does that still go into adulthood? No, I don't think so. I think once okay. once you're an adult, then okay. anything anything goes. Because right now I could only just watch Frankie and Grace if that were the case. <laughs> that wouldn't be the worst problem. I know, it's not have. a bad. It's, it's a not good show. bad. It's just, you know, I need variety. <laughs> It's just when you actually reach the age that the characters are in the show, you start to realize that it's kind of goofy. Right. That that stuff doesn't actually happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I was, so I went to Ann Arbor yesterday. Ann Arbor is college town. That's where the University of Michigan is. And I just went to kind of hang out and, and, and go to bookstores and walk around. And I realized that I could never live in a college town because I hate everyone who's younger than me. (laughs) (laughs) Because I saw these college kids walking around, and first of all, it gave me gave me hives to think about being in college again. Because mm-hmm. I've been, I could go back and get my PhD, and I've thought about it a couple times, and I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> that would mean being a college student again, and just being in Ann Arbor and and seeing the students walking around made me. Uh, it just gave me hives. I just couldn't do it. There's no way, and I could never live in a place that was so affected by an influx of college students like that. Mm-hmm. And that three months out of the year, it's basically a ghost town. Yeah. Yeah. Everything mm-hmm. is closed uh, yeah. because the students are gone and it's the one time of year you can enjoy your life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm always very happy uh, when we get to May and the students mostly depart campus. Like I'm ready for them to be gone. I'm ready to not have to watch for them when I am driving through a green light as they simply step off the curb into oncoming right. traffic. Uh, <laughs> Texting on their phone. And- yep. I'm I'm happy to not have the noise and all the everything going on. But then when I get to the end of August, I'm like, oh, I missed you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. You're more charitable than I am. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't last long. <laughs> but I think... At this time, I knew people that had actually gone to drug rehab. And so this felt really, really crazy that she's on caffeine pills and now she's not getting into Stanford. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was her whole reason. Is she wanted to study to get into Stanford. I mean, I thought it was a real tour de force as far as the acting goes, how she went from kind of groggy, what's happening, what's happening, to just being like, I'm so scared, (laughs) in about 15 seconds. Yeah. The acting was really incredible, and it really runs the gamut through these clips. You'll notice some of the acting is incredible and some of it is horrible. Uh, And this was one of the good examples, I think. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think she actually is better than Jesse Spano on the show. Mm Mm-hmm. 
but that's not hard. It's no, not. that's, I mean, I don't know. Have you seen Showgirls? Right. <laughs> well, so going from excellent acting to terrible acting, <laughs> <laughs> our next clip, <laughs> uh, you will definitely recognize some of the parts. This is from Little House on the Prairie. Exterior. Pa and Laura are outside the farmhouse. It's not fair. What's not fair, Half Pint? Everyone knows what to do about Christmas except me. Don't you worry. You're going to come up with some ideas, and I bet they'll be darn good ones, too. But right now, I want you to get some sleep. Interior. The family is gathered around the tree on Christmas morning. Half Pint, this scarf is my favorite color, and it's warm as toast. Thank you. Ah, let's see what Mary's got. Mary opens her package and finds a rabbit fur coat. Oh, Ma, Pa, it's just beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Here's your present, Pa. You better like it, because I made it. Me and Mrs. Whipple. Well, if you made it, I know I'm going to like it. Let's see what's in here. He holds up a new shirt. Oh, Mary, that is beautiful. Look at it, Caroline. I hope it fits. It fits perfectly. Ma realizes that she and Mary got Pa the same thing. She quietly hides her present before anybody sees it. You did a beautiful job, Mary. Ah, uh, thank you, darling. Well, I'm going to be pretty fancy going to church. New shirt, fancy scarf. Ah, uh, let's see if there's a half-pint present under here. He hands Laura a large bundle. Pretty big for a half-pint-sized present. She opens it and sees the saddle. She begins to weep because she sold her pony to buy Ma's gift. Looks like somebody really likes her present. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Pa. Ma walks over and opens a large crate in the middle of the room addressed to her. Oh, a stove. I wonder who gave it to you. It's from Laura? Laura runs from the room. Charles, her pony. We can't let her. Caroline, she has the right. But she loves Bunny so. I think she loves you more. Oh, I can't. Caroline, she wants to do this. Laura comes back in weeping, and Ma runs to hold her. Oh, Laura, I just love my stove. Don't cry. Someday we'll have another pony. It's not the pony. I'm sorry about all the hard work you had to do on the saddle, Pa. She runs to him, and he hugs her tight. He looks at Ma with his eyes wet with tears and shakes his head. The saddle. Oh, half pint. Okay, so is this the best worst line in TVTL players history? Yes. <laughs> Christy? Yes. I wrote it. Yes. Yes. Oh, Ma. Pa. I, I don't. It At first, I knew that they had someone in, but if 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 you just said what do you think this is i would have thought it was that robot that they have pronounced things wow <laughs> i know so i think it's a toss-up between that line and you did a beautiful job mary <laughs> i couldn't handle it was that rachel bell who's playing the part of ma i there? don't know i couldn't tell very yes. well i think it was i think it is yes I think they had to pull in a bunch of ancillary players to get that one done because it right. was a fairly large yeah. cast. Yes. Now, I've read all of the Little House on the Prairie books, but I haven't seen all of the episodes. Is this a real one or is this a made up one? I think this is a made up one. Oh, because really? it's such it's... a gift of the Magi. 
right it's too on the nose that i was like this can't be real wait you mean real to the tv show it didn't happen in the books well no it didn't happen in the book but the tv show was totally yeah separate stories yeah this did definitely happen in the tv show okay oh it did i think so okay I mean, you're from you're from that area. That's your that's your town. <laughs> that's true. I would know. Yeah, a scarf is an excellent Christmas gift yes. in Minnesota. I, I thought that it was an interesting scene choice because the one that Luke always references when he talks about Little House on the Prairie is the one where Ma had the fever or whatever, and she tries to c- yeah. cut her leg off. They have to restrain mm-hmm. her. From cutting her leg off. And why wouldn't they do that scene instead? Or one that had less people that they could, you know, they could do have done their own. three or four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Because it doesn't include the line, oh, ma, pa, it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> when Erin Covey got that job, she never thought that she would be taking part <laughs> in anything like that. She would become a drop. <laughs> I wonder if she still listens and what she's up to. Oh, I highly doubt it. I I hope that she um, listen like this uh, uh, made her want to act. <laughs> well, or take acting classes. That'd be a good place to start. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm finding Erin Covey creative, which looks like a wedding planner but i think she's in new york so that doesn't seem to be correct right i don't know who this who this person is oh wait it is her because it says featured articles personal and professional bonneville.com my northwest oh Hmm. so this is her well good for her yeah okay i'm glad she didn't get into acting (laughs) (laughs) Well, shall we move on to the other um, show that I grouped in the 80s bucket? Little House on the Prairie was kind of late 70s to early 80s. And this next one is smack dab in the middle of 80s television. And this is my second favorite, I think, of the TBTL players (laughs) outings. And it's when uh, they did a scene from the (laughs) A-Team. Interior. Hannibal and B.A. break in P.A.'s house, or Pa's house, and find the broken chair and ropes. Looks like Modoc escaped. We gotta find him, Hannibal. Colonel! Yeah, Modoc escaped all right. Sound of sirens. Oh, we've got company. Decker! Someone must have spotted us driving down this road. Let's get out of here. Uh, they run back to the van and drive past Decker. Decker fires at them. And the clips have pwned gone aerial. Poor old Murdoch, out there all alone, being chased by those bounty hunters. If they do anything to him... B.A., I've never heard you so concerned about Murdoch. I'm not concerned. It's just that that crazy fool can't help himself. I think we're seeing a whole other side to Mr. Baracus here. You ain't seeing nothing. Now let's get Murdoch. Hey, he can't tell us. He can't call us on this fun. One of Decca's rounds must have taken the aerial out. Go to the contingency plan, face. Exterior, plane. Hannibal, B.A. and Judy climb out. 
Well, we gotta look on the bright side. We don't have to make this one look like a plane crash. Oh, Hannibal, this is terrible, man. The plane cut a path that even blind people can follow. Man, those Federales gonna be in us in a hot second. Yeah, you're probably right. Get the weapons out, I'll be back in a minute. Wait a minute, man, where you going? Well, I gotta go back to the old plane site and tell Face and Murdoch we were where we are. But I gotta stay out of sight. How you gonna do that, man? Well, I decided the most realistic way is to use my duck call. Oh, Hannibal, not the call. Especially what happened to us last time. What happened last time? B.A., this time, it will work. Wait, who's the black one, Hannibal or B.A.? Because I'm getting confused yeah. by our amazing Hannibal. <laughs> B.A. is black. Hannibal's the old guy. Oh. <laughs> I knew that. Okay. Okay, let's start with Judy. What happened last time? B.A., this time it'll work. <laughs> Hannibal grins and waves his hands off. Uh, I take it Hannibal's duck call isn't very good. Good. It's perfect. That's the problem. The last time we used that duck call, some duck hunters from the area nearly had us for dinner. Disgusting being mistaken for duck. And this 100% works for me. <laughs> when Luke says, wait, who's playing the black one? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Have, have Sean and Luke never seen the A-Team before, is what my question was. That seems so right up their alley. Yes. I'm 100% sure that Luke knew exactly who the black one was. And he, and he was, was trying to trying kill. to yes he was mm -hmm. trying to bring it up gently that Sean was <laughs> had something wrong in his brain on that one <laughs> and then Sean goes oh and then he immediately like switches over to like the most ancient old man <laughs> voice you've ever heard in your life hello yeah I love it. Oh, that's so good. All right. Should we go on to the... I, oh, I just wanted to give... The special effects were pretty great in that one. Well, that's true. They were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There were gunshots and explosions. Gunshots and explosions. And, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's probably Sean, right? Yeah, I'm sure. It isn't the best sound effects. We'll get to that one later. <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, let's go to our next one. This is in the 90s TV category. A uh, scene from Sex and the City. Interior, Carrie's apartment. It was a lovely, uneventful Saturday morning. Three lattes, two newspapers, and one dating service application. Interior, trendy New York cafe, looking at a magazine cover. Dear single. Single? You don't even have a name? Well, I'm single. I don't deserve one. That's the postal equivalent of a drive-by shooting. Yeah, and I thought those 57 menus I got every day from Hunan Moonan were annoying. Look at this. Don't let your soulmate slip away. Oh, I know. It's almost a threat. Like, we don't have him. He's waiting. He's just waiting for you, but hurry, because he's sipping, slipping away. Oops, there he goes. I disagree. I believe that there's one perfect person out there to complete you. And if you don't find him, what, you're incomplete? It's so dangerous. All right, first of all, the idea that there's only one out there. I mean, why don't I just shoot myself right now? I'd like to think that people have more than one soulmate. I agree. I've had hundreds. Yeah, and you know what? If you miss one along, 
comes another like calves. <laughs> no, that's not how it works. Oh, okay. But you're still looking outside yourself. It's saying that you are not enough. Are you enough? Actually, today she's too much. Look, the bad thing about the one perfect soulmate is that it's so unattainable. You're being set out to fail. Exactly, and you feel bad about yourself. Yeah, and that makes the gap between the holy grail and the a-holes even bigger. Well, I don't care. I believe in soulmates. I thought Trey was mine, but I don't think that what soulmate would on your leg. But there's got to be that someone out there who's just perfect for me. Maybe I should keep looking. Here you go. We're filling this out. No, I'm not in the mood. Not for you, for her. Oh, okay. No. Yes. Yes. Age, checkbox 20 to 25, 25 to 30, 30 to 34. Not after next week, birthday girl, 35. 35 to 44. Honey, welcome to my box. Bravo. Bravo. Okay. Um, I feel, because th- this was the one time we see Luke as a woman, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like maybe they should have introduced and said who everyone was. Because besides Jenna Samantha, I have no idea who anyone else was. They were at... Car- Carrie's apartment, right? Were they at the apartment or were they at that coffee shop? I'm pretty sure the direction <laughs> said that they were at the apartment, so I'm guessing okay. she was there, but I don't know which one of them was which. Right. So Okay. That's... Well, it's obvious that Jen was Samantha because when she came in yeah. with that voice, I just about fell over. That was so mm-hmm. good. Yes. <laughs> um, I believe Jamie was playing Carrie. Okay. Okay. And then between Luke and Sean, I think Sean was playing Charlotte and Luke was playing Miranda. And I only figured out the Miranda one by process of elimination wow. because it was extremely generic. Mm-hmm. The, I, I didn't watch this show either, um, but I know it just through cultural references. And the last line, I think, was probably my favorite. Yes. <laughs> was Jen as Samantha saying, honey, welcome to my box. <laughs> she nailed it. She did. Um, I do remember that line being on an actual episode. Um, I don't remember them all being in in Carrie's apartment ever. It does sound like something they would do, though, like the, the yes. dating app and all mm-hmm. that stuff like that. It, it seems like a, a lifted from the script. Right. Mm-hmm. I hated that show. You I did. really did. I watched a little bit of it and I just hated yeah, it. Yeah, It didn't grip me at all. That's pretty bad. It painted a very specific picture of women mm-hmm. that I found to be. I mean, I guess it was supposed to be about the bonds of friendship and sisterhood, but I saw them as four extremely shallow people who cared about shoes and clothes and cosmopolitans and not a lot else and finding love and and Mm -hmm. nothing else. And I could not relate to it very well. And I was fairly distressed that it was a generation of women would grow up thinking that this was what they were supposed to be. And a generation of men thinking that this was the way that women wanted to be really. 
Yuck. Yeah, it's it's pretty terrible. And um, also, it just was, we need to find men to make our lives good. Like complete us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It also was dangerous. I mean, I know there's been articles and everything about how you can't live in New York with these jobs and have those apartments and those lives. Right. But, I mean, I specifically remember taking my friend who was, like, huge into Sex in the City to New York and um, she was like, I just want to be like them. And I'm like, no, no one is actually like them. No one takes cabs everywhere and is also a syndicated writer. Like, Mm-mm. no one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Getting like two to, two, two to $500 an article isn't, <laughs> isn't living there with um, those clothes. You know, it's just. It's you can't awesome. buy Manolo's on that salary. No. No. Yep. <laughs> But Jen really liked it, and I never quite yeah. understood what she saw in it. Me neither. I mean, maybe it's because up until then you didn't really see that many shows about women friendships where there was where men were just kind of the side characters. Oh, that's a good point. Um, since then, we've had that. And of course, watching it now, we can point to all the things that are pretty gross. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I think that that was like our that and Golden Girls were basically the only yeah um, That's role a really models good point. I had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad things have improved since then. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now the next clip is from a show that was a role model for me um, <laughs> as a, a, a tween in the '90s. Um, I watched ER religiously. I was also really into medicine and I wanted to be a doctor at that point. And this clip is the TBTL players supposedly, but it's a live show. So this is Shuba's in Chicago. And this is the one that we mentioned that they're performing from behind a sheet. So let's give this a listen. I'm getting, I'm getting something in my earpiece. Do you have an earpiece? No, I don't have an earpiece. I've been wearing one all weekend, (laughs) even when I sleep. I'm getting a report that the TBTL players are actually here. They're actually, wow. We didn't, we didn't wanna, we didn't wanna talk about it because uh, we didn't, we didn't wanna like promise something and then not be able to deliver it. But it turns out they made their flight from Amsterdam, and I guess they're, they're backstage, and um, we're gonna have them do. You know, it's been, in, it's in this year the whole time. I can't. <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, they're going to actually do a scene from ER, I think, just to kind of really sort of bring, bring this point home. Yeah, but this is a very small stage, and they need kind of room to work, so probably we should... We're going to get out of here, uh, <clears throat> just clear the stage, but could you please give it up for, for the TBTL players, you guys? <laughs>
You have one more line. Oh. <laughs> yes, of course, of course. <laughs> a man and woman and <laughs> a man and woman. This is serious, okay? Quit fucking around. <laughs> All right. A man and woman enter the scene wearing white lab coats, deep in conversation. Doug, you must operate on his lung connector. If you don't, his kidney could explode. Carol, I've told you plain. I don't know. I can't operate. The patient is my grandfather and my nephew at the same time. It involves time travel, North Korea, and an Appalachian custom you, you know wouldn't what I understand. For breakfast? <laughs> what kind of doctor leaves a man to a kidney explosion? Do you know how painful that would be? Yeah, huh? I do. I lived it. But there are ethics involved that you could never understand, Nurse Hathaway. Which brings me to the most important issue of the day. Why are you wearing a doctor's coat which looks a lot like a bathrobe from the James Hotel? <laughs> We're also staying there along with the cast of TBTL. Why are you wearing that doctor's coat when you are just a nurse? Go and rest your tumor. This just proves that you never pay attention to me when I talk. What do you think I've been doing all these years at DeVry College? Huh? Uh, I assumed a technology-related degree or possibly even administrative skills night school? Well, I started in radio production program, but my teacher, he saw something in me, something special. Hmm. He convinced me to change majors and join the doctor school of medicine. I feel like I didn't watch all of ER, like the whole run, but I feel like that sound effect was almost never in it. This many people being hit by lightning. Yeah, that was a very special episode. I guess that they don't have any more music. Oh, yeah, it ran out. Okay, well, that's fine. <laughs> Sorry, just leave it. Leave it. Let's do this. We came from Amsterdam for yeah, this. Yeah, we're really jet lagged. <laughs> Be that as it may, I shan't operate on a family member who saw me born in an alleyway behind the bar where my ma danced for rent money. As well as a family member who I taught to ride a bike, learn his times table and a boy I taught to call me Uncle Dr. Doug. I won't do it! Well, then I'm going in. Someone has to fix that lung... Someone has huh? to fix that lung connector, or in the next 20 seconds, his brain will explode. Yeah. Were they just here like a second ago? Oh man. Well, uh, from the look of satisfaction on your faces, I can only, I can only imagine they must have been great. The TBTL players. Uh, they were. Thank you. I'll listen to the recording later. Wow. Um. Okay, so this is definitely a deleted scene. 
<laughs> from ER. Like, I've seen all the ERs, and I don't remember yeah. anything about a lung connector um, being related to a kidney explosion. And then well, it was his nephew and his... And son- his grandpa or Grandpa, right. <laughs> There was a few things. So I, my main takeaway from this clip is that they must have been so drunk. Yes. Because uh-huh. or some insane. of them insane. It was insane to begin with. Like the, the script was insane. But then also who is playing the drops? Because I think a lot of them were accidents. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> there was a, um, there was a lot of lightning strikes. <laughs> Yes. Those were mostly appropriate, but there were a bunch of them right. that just didn't make any sense. And I think they just continued playing. Like Luke will sometimes just keep them rolling on accident. Mm-hmm. And I assume that's what happened with like the Jane Lynch drop that shouldn't have been in there. Yeah. <laughs> but it does add some flavor. So that was fun. And I also wonder, um, and you put this in your notes, the DeVry College mentioned, is this before Jen was corrected on her? I think this is long, DeVry? long after. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Because she wasn't super mean about it. Mm-mm. Yeah, she said she was going to medical school there. Mm-hmm. Right. It, eventually, she ended up graduating from the doctor school of medicine. DeVry. <laughs> sure. Right. The, um, well, I wonder. So what it seems like to me is that Luke wasn't necessarily drunk, but he was doing that thing where he makes fun of something to make it be better. Right. Like he's trying to excuse it and he's like, I don't know why you would be wearing that doctor uniform that really looks like a robe from. Oh, right. <laughs> like, I think he knew that this was going to be a shit show and he's embarrassed. And so isn't this when he Burbanks it where he just like overdoes it mm-hmm. to try to to try to explain it? I mean, it was a hot mess, <laughs> but it was extremely entertaining. Yes. Those Chicago live shows are really great, and everyone yeah. should go back and revisit those. The rap battles, Sean's story about um, leaving the hotel and going on a, a exploring. Mm-hmm. Remember that one? Mm-hmm. Um, that just all of those shows are are pretty great. Yeah, the interview with Peter Sagal, where mm-hmm. he's just sort of dumbfounded at <laughs> what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, those were those were very fun, very drunken shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so the TBTL players have not been limited to TV shows and movies. They have also uh, dabbled in some other mediums. And this next offering, I'll call it, is is a spoken word piece that is frankly batshit crazy. And I don't remember why they decided to do this, but this is the TBTL players doing a spoken word performance of Irreplaceable by Beyonce. And now, the TBTL Theater Players. To the left. To the left. To the left. To the left. Everything you own in a box to the left. In the closet, that's my stuff. Yes. If I bought it, 
sir, please don't touch and keep talking that mess. That's fine. But could you walk and talk at the same time? And it's my mind name that's on that jag, so remove your bags. Let me call you a cab. Standing in the front yard, telling me how I'm such a fool, talking about how I'll never find a man like you, you got me twisted. You must not know about me. You must not know about me. I could have another of you in a minute. Matter of fact, he'll be here in a minute, baby. You must not know about me. You must not know about me. I can have another you by tomorrow. So I don't ever for a second get to thinking you're irreplaceable. So go ahead and get gone and call up on that chick and see if she's home. Oops, I bet you thought that I didn't know. What you, what did you think I was putting you out for? Because you was untrue. Rolling her around in the car that I bought you. Baby, you dropped them keys. Hurry up before your taxi leaves. Standing in the front yard telling me how I'm such a fool. Talking about how I'll never find a man like you. You got me twisted. Uh, you must not know about me. You must not know about me. I could have another you in a minute. Matter of fact, he'll be here in a minute, baby. You must not know about me. I'll have another you by tomorrow, so don't ever get for a second thinking that you're irreplaceable. So since I'm not your everything, how about I'll be nothing, nothing at all to you? Baby, I won't shed a tear for you. I won't lose a wink of sleep, because the truth of the matter is, replacing you is so easy. To the left. To the left. To the left. To the left. Everything you own in a box to the left. Don't you ever for a second get to think that you're irreplaceable. You must not know about me. You must not know about me. I could have another you in a minute. Matter of fact, she'll be here in a minute, baby. Yeah, well, you must not know about me. You must not know about me. I could have another you in a minute. Matter of fact, he'll be here in a minute, baby. You must not know about me. You must not know about me. I could have you another of you in a minute. Matter of fact, <laughs> Sorry about that. So when we got to about like minute two of this, I started getting really entertained every time they would come in with a different line reading for the same words. It it was one of those things for me where it became tedious and then it turned around and became funny again. <laughs> Every time they said, you must not know about me. You must or, not know about you me. You must not know about me. Or you yeah. must not know about me. I love that it became like they were fighting. Mm-hmm. As if it were that there was a male and female voice in the song and that they were bickering over who they should know about. <laughs> Me. Me. (laughs) You must not. I don't understand why the box was on the left. Am I confused? All your stuff is in the box on the left. She piles up all your stuff and puts it on the left. Don't look at the right. Yeah, but why is it such a big deal that it's the the left? (laughs) I don't know, but it's in my head and it will be forever because anytime I say anything is to the left, I have to go to the left, to the left in my head. (laughs) Uh, This makes the song seem absolutely ridiculous. It does. It It is ridiculous. The words are crazy. And the fact that it just repeats over and over again at the end, I really thought there was more lyrics than that. Mm -mm. Nope. When you come up with such strong ones. It's not a very good song lyrically. It's fun to listen to, but it doesn't make a lot of sense. All right. Should we go to the next one? 
Yes. Let's Speaking go. of batshit crazy. Right? Batshit <laughs> crazy. This is when the players d- debate a possible alternative to the national anthem. Well, this is interesting, too, because when you go on YouTube and you, like, do anthem fail or whatever, like this video, there are, like, hundreds of other videos that, uh, you know, depict people singing the national anthem, often at sporting events, where it just goes so far south. And it's an interesting thing, Jen, because you were doing some digging around and you found out that the national anthem, which is kind of a complicated song, it was not it was not the only choice for our our nation's anthem at one point. Is that correct? Right. I actually, because I was actually thinking, you know, it is a really difficult song. I always feel bad for people when they get into trouble because a lot of times people get trouble into trouble with hitting the high notes or the low note. And so um, I was looking and I realized that it wasn't it wasn't the only choice when the decision was made. Um, and, and this is uh, exactly uh, where the TBTL players come in, because um, we have, as they say, gotten the band back together. We uncovered some old. I was written, wasn't it written on parchment, Jennifer? Right. It's an. It's a really, really old uh, transcript of an original uh, congressional debate back in uh, you know the 1700s. Covering this exact thing, and we've flown them back in the TBTL players, which is um, as I think about the budget of the show, which right now is zero. I don't know if we should have spent thirty thousand dollars to fly in some of the finest thespians of our time. And also, I don't know if we should have put them up at the Fairmount downtown because this is only like a 35-second segment. But we've done it. And so we present to you TBTL players. And now, the triumphant return of the TBTL. Congress is debating dueling resolutions to name their nation's anthem. (laughs) Distinguished gentlemen, I ask that you join me in voting to name the Star-Spangled Banner our national anthem. I strongly disagree with you, Barningham. The Star Spangled Banner is a decidedly difficult song. The range is too great for most singers, and the phrasing is such that you can get very mixed up. Ah, Dinglesworth, we we shan't choose our great nation's anthem by worrying for lesser singers. A complicated and complex song only complements our rich heritage. Uh, Yes, yes, I, I agree with my esteemed colleague. Now, what song would you choose, Dinglesworth? I have always liked I Believe I Can Fly, which you all voted down without a proper hearing. What? Have you gone mad? You want the anthem to promote the ridiculous notion of human flight? Of course not. It's clearly a metaphor for the heights humanity can attain. If I can see it, then I can do it. If I just believe it, there's nothing to it. I refuse to say that I believe I can fly, or that I can touch the sky, or that I have wings. Harumph! Not to... <laughs> not to mention, and now I'm in this darkest closet trying to figure out just how I'm going to get my crazy ass out of this house. And he walks in and yells, I'm home! I am almost positive 
that is not the same song. I believe I can fly is about self-empowerment, not adultery. <laughs> well, perhaps some of the writer's other lyrics confused me, but nonetheless, I don't want to hear. <laughs> that that's a feather-brained little melody every time I attend the Pugilist League. But sirs, the Star Spangled Banner focuses entirely on a battle and a flag instead of on the people that will make this great nation. How dare you, Digglesworth? It clearly states we are the land of the free and the home of the brave. Yes, however, it comes at the end of the song, in the most difficult section, which most people will not be able to sing. The notes are simply too high. Uh, the anthem has rockets. It describes the flag. There are ramparts, perilous fighting, bombs bursting. Frankly, it's freaking awesome. <sighs> Let's get on with this and dispense of the silliest notion since Senator Mangus Forshaw tried to... <laughs> Make us take oaths by placing our right hand on a copy of Beowulf. All in favor of Dinglesworth's resolution to choose I believe I can fly as the national anthem. I? Ah, thanks be to the heavens. But don't worry over much, young Dinglesworth. Tommy Jefferson just tried to get the turkey named the national bird. Stupid ideas come through here every day. And he's very drunk. Tut, 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 the uh, TBTL players, incredible. It sounded like one of them was on Skype, which is weird. After listening to this, I've decided this is where Lin-Manuel um, Miranda decided to come up with Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> Put a pop spin on mm-hmm. something old. What do you mm-hmm. think? I see. I, I, I can draw the line. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? And if if he wasn't so disgraced, I bet you R. Kelly would have wound up on that um, Hamilton mixtape. Yes. I don't remember Digglesworth being one of the more (laughs) important founding fathers. Oh, you know, there's a bunch of them. Yeah, there's a lot. They're all old and white, so. Yeah. (laughs) I don't even know where this came from, but it must have been a lot of work to write the script for this because... Um, you heard at the beginning of the clip, the, the story that was leading to this was about somebody who had a terrible performance of the national anthem and mm-hmm. Luke is absolutely right. Jen's absolutely right. It's a terribly hard song yeah. to sing well, but for whatever reason, this led them to this really weird idea of maybe we should have, I believe I can fly as the national anthem <laughs> instead. Well, what I think is that there was probably a news story about how there were alternatives that I mean, because I know that like America, the beautiful was one of the um, things or God bless America. There were lots Mm -hmm. of different options. 
And I bet they there was an article about that, that there was an alternative. And then they just decided that I believe I can fly would have been a good one. <laughs> Ugh. I, this is one of the examples where I thought the acting was really bad <laughs> on a serious note. Like Jen's accent was so weird and bad that I couldn't, I couldn't even pretend with this one. But I really did laugh when Luke went harumph because <laughs> he just wrote he just said what was written harumph yeah <laughs> it was crazy but it was entertaining mm-hmm. okay well we're gonna end this on a high note because this is definitely one of the best tbtl player clips ever and you will laugh through the whole thing this is die hard And, and now, the TBTL players. The vault room. Let's move. The last of the money is piled on. Hans hangs onto Holly while Eddie pushes the mail carts of money bags. Kristoff goes to the door to scope their escape. Suddenly, he is cold-cocked by a rifle butt. McLean steps into view in the doorway, backlit by sparks still tumbling down from the roof above. He holds the machine gun ready. Hans! Hans turns, not that surprised. Grinning, he yanks Holly into view. No words need be said. John! Holly, we have to stop meeting like this. So that's what it was, an effing robbery? Why nuke the building, Hans? When you steal $600, you can disappear. But when you steal 600 million, they will find you, unless you play dead. Which happens to be your next role. Drop your gun, please. McLean hesitates. Hans pushes the gun against Holly again, really hurting her. Eddie quickly raises his weapon. Nine. This ain't is mine. This time, John Vane does not walk off into the sunset with Grace Kelly. That was Gary Cooper, S-head. No more jokes. Drop it, or she gets it between the eyes. Whoa, Hans, now you're the cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, mother effer. <laughs> now you are effed. He aims. Holly, now! Instantly, Holly sidesteps, jabs her elbow into Hans' face. Uh. At the same moment, Holly... <laughs> Holly moves. McLean grabs his Beretta from its hiding place, taped to the back of his neck, shoots Hans high in the chest. <laughs> The bullet passes through Hans. <laughs> that was a loud gun. shock you were right about us americans we are cowboys in the vault room incredibly hans still stands eyes filled with shock and disbelief he reels and falls against the windowsill starts to topple and then grits his teeth and from some inward place finds a last reserve of strength and he grabs holly's wrist she is yanked off her feet hans goes out the window pulling holly with him mclean leaps forward catches her inside arm near the elbow at the last minute 
The roof still in flames. McLean hangs halfway out of the window, jagged glass raking his face, straining to hold on to Holly as Hans drags her out. McLean braces himself against the window frame and strains to pull Holly closer. Hans has a death grip on the watch band. He is straining with his other hand. McLean releases the latch on the watch band and the overtaxed metal snaps. Hans' face registers his horror as he and the watch suddenly drop. McLean pulls Holly back into the room and holds her. It's okay, babe. It's okay. He looks down at Hans' body, then back at the scrap of wristband he's still holding. You got a warranty on this? She laughs through her tears and holds <laughs> on to him. Outside Nakatomi Plaza, later, McLean and Holly walk to Argyle's limo. It's a little smashed up, but still running. Argyle is standing beside the open door. McLean and Holly get in, and Argyle closes the door. If this is their idea of Christmas, I gotta be there for New Year's. It's Christmas time in Hollis, Queens. Mom's cooking chicken and collard greens. Rice and stuff and macaroni and cheese. And Santa put gifts under Christmas trees. Decorate okay, um... <laughs> Sean's Hans Gruber is definitely the best thing about <laughs> yes. this whole clip, right? It, it's a toss-up for me between Sean and Jen just laughing and laughing and laughing. <laughs> I wish that they would remake Die Hard with Hans Gruber as a gay man. I wish they would remake it with Sean as Hans Gruber. <laughs> Either of those things need to happen. Yeah. I, I never knew that Hans Gruber was an effeminate Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> he does such a good job, though. Yeah. It's so great. And one of my favorite things is how they have to clean it up for the radio. Yep. The non Oh, yeah, the, the non swears. You S yes. head. <laughs> you mother effer. <laughs> <laughs> and the um, guest star, Tom Tangney, was so great. I yeah, he just pops on. in at the end there. That was yeah. a nice surprise. Yeah. And I wonder what what I want to know is what the scene at Cairo was like as they were trying to gather people. Would they just, Jen just walk down the halls and say, you, Rachel Bell, in here. Here's your lines. <laughs> Probably. Like, are you Probably. busy? Can you help us with this play? <laughs> right. Well, for this one specifically, it was um, part of their TBTL Christmas party, I think. If I remember correctly, oh, it was right. the episode where... Um, they talked about their top five Christmas movies or whatever. The mm -hmm. one where Jen said Home Alone was one of her favorite oh, Christmas yeah. movies mm -hmm. and Tom and Luke made fun of her and then she cried yes. and they felt mad about it. She convinced oh. Tom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's a good, that was a great moment. Yeah. It's also, uh, it is, it's as good as any of the other Christmas movies. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it has a really good soundtrack. They should have done a Home Alone. <laughs> I don't know if there's enough really good conversation in Home Alone to be a good right. TTL player. <laughs> yeah, it's just a lot of <laughs> a lot of sound effects and screaming, smashing <laughs> and burning. Oh, yeah. um, I just got a tweet. So I tweeted Jen and asked and told her we were recording a clip show, and if she was the one who would find the and write the scripts and how much rehearsal that they would have, and she just said. Um, sometimes I was lucky enough to find a script online, but many times I picked a scene and transcribed it from YouTube. Oh Little to no rehearsal. And every Sean DeTori sound clip took me by surprise. <laughs> <laughs> so you were right that you would just fire off the clips. Well, this the shotgun blast in this one that just <laughs> destroyed Jen is one of the best things I've ever heard in my entire life. Yes. Agree. Okay, so 
We've talked TBTL players, brought you some really good clips. I would have really liked to get the players back for a return engagement, but and these days they're pretty big. You know, they're only playing the large houses in Europe and in Asia, and I could not get the rebar. I couldn't get them here, and so I thought maybe I would have some better luck uh, getting some more regional talent. And so I arranged for a performance tonight for everybody by the LRB players. And they don't perform in public very often. They're still, you know, working on things. But there's there's definitely a, a chasm in talent level. We'll say that. Yes, there there are one or two people who I think have have got a shot at an Oscar sometime in the future. Hmm. But uh, we got them together to present a scene, especially for the Wagoneers, of the classic '80s movie *Steel Magnolias*. And I hope everyone enjoys this. And now the LRB players. Mid-scene in the beauty shop, bride-to-be Shelby is recovering from a diabetic episode. Her mother, Malin, Malin's friend, Clary, beauty shop owner, Truvy, and her brand-new hairstylist, Anel, are hovering worriedly. Clary has been searching in Malin's purse for candy to give Shel- Shelby. Malin, you always carry candy in your bag? Without fail. Then tell me, do you suck on this often? Clary pulls a gun from the bag, gasps all around. (gasps) (gasps) Clary, put that back. How'd you get Daddy's gun from him? I had been waiting all morning for my chance. He finally put it down to go to the bathroom. I'd like to ask a question. I'm new here and all. Is my life in danger? No, Malin's husband's just been shooting at some birds. The trees around here are full of them this time of year. Daddy's trying to frighten the birds out of the trees by making loud noises. I didn't want guests at my reception all, to spend all night dodging bird do. The neighborhood's fit to be tied. Weezer Boudreaux blames my husband's gunshots for the problems of that mangy dog of hers. She insists all the noise has made that stupid animal lose its hair. Taking the gun was a stroke of genius, Malin. I know. What if he comes over here and tries to get his gun back? Oh, Drum would never step foot in a beauty shop. This is women's territory. He probably thinks we all run around naked or something. Catching a glimpse out of the window. There's somebody coming. Looking. That would be Weezer. Lord, give us strength. The door bursts open. It's Weezer, very upset. This is it. I've found it. I am in hell. Morning, Weezer. Don't try to get on my good side. I no longer have one. You're a little early. You're not expected till 11-ish. That's precisely why I'm here. I have to cancel. The phone rings. Weezer picks it up and hangs up on the caller. I have to take my poor dog to the vet before he has a nervous breakdown. My dog, I mean, the vet is perfectly healthy. To Anel. You must be the new girl. Hi. 
may I have a glass of water? I've been screaming this morning. Exit Anel. I'm sorry this whole thing has gotten out of hand, Weezer. It's not your fault, Malin. I used to think you were crazy for marrying that man. Then I thought for a few years you were just a glutton for punishment. Now I realize that you must be some sort of saint on a mission from God. I have not slept in days. I look like a dog's dinner. However, when I got up this morning, I decided I would try to rise above it. Whatever that man has done, I would overlook it in honor of your wedding day, Shelby. I thought I would make myself a little presentable and floss up the house in case somebody wanted to drop in, it being a big day in the neighborhood and all. So I go out to cut some fresh flowers for the living room. I go down to my magnolia tree, and there is not a bloom on it. Weezer, the judge has not decided whose tree that is exactly. It's my! Enter Anel with a glass of water. Thank you, darling. Be that as it may, it would not be too much to ask for me to have one blossom to brighten my home. I am all alone except for my dog. You need something in your life besides that dumb animal. Put a lid on it, Clarine. When I asked Drum how all my magnolias ended up in his pool, he fired at me. They're blanks, and Drum would never aim a gun at a lady. Oh, he's a real gentleman. I bet he takes the dishes out the sink before he pees in it. Miss Weezer, Daddy's not trying to drive you crazy. He's just trying to make my reception real nice. His heart is in the right place. But he cannot do this to my dog. My dog is on his last legs. I know for a fact there will be no more gunshots. So why don't you just relax, Miss Weezer? Have some coffee. All right. As long as there's no more gunshots, I'll stay. To Anel. What is your name? Did you tell me? Anel. Are you new in town? I know everyone, darling, and I do not recall ever seeing you before. I just moved to town not too long ago. With your husband? Uh, my husband? That's hard to say. I, I, I don't know. Well, I'm intrigued. Are you married or are you not? These are not difficult questions, darling. Uh, we're not. He's not. I can't talk about it. Of course, of course you, can. you can. I'm not sure if I'm married or not. He's gone. Oh, men are the most horrible creatures. Everything's horrible. Bunky, that's my husband. He left. We only moved here a month ago. He just vanished last week, took all the money, my jewelry, the car. Most of my clothes were in the trunk. It might have been foul play. Have you been to the police? No, but they've been to me. He's in big trouble with the law, drugs or something. He never paid the rent, so I got thrown out of our house. The police kept questioning me, but I don't know anything. They say my marriage may not be legal. You should have said something. I was scared to. I need a job in the worst way. I didn't know if you'd hire someone who may or may not have been married to somebody who might be a dangerous criminal. But I swear to you, my personal tragedy will not interfere with my ability to do good hair. Of course it won't. We are awful. We are just hateful, awful people. Here we've been talking about weddings and psychotic animals, and you've been tearing you up inside, haven't we? I can't tell you how sorry I am. What can we do to help? You're all so nice. We enjoy being nice to each other. There's not much else to do in this town. Now, if you're interested, my garage will be available soon. My son is living there now. Give me a day to straighten it up and then come look at it. 
I'm sure we can work out some arrangement with the rent. Overcome. Oh. There is a huge explosion. What on earth? They all go to the window. The dog begins to bark uncontrollably. What happened? Well, the birds are flying every which away, and there's white smoke billowing up from your backyard. Looks like some kind of explosion. I guess whatever he did has worked. All the birds are leaving. They all come away from the window, except Anel. Oh no, your dog broke his chain, and he's headed toward the smoke. Oh no, that dog will eat Drum alive, and Drum is unarmed. Weezer, do something! Weezer, call your dog, he'll listen to you. Miss Weezer, please, it's my wedding day. Say something to your dog. Flings open the door and screams. Kill, Rhett! Kill! Everyone <laughs> rushes out the door. And scenes. <laughs> so, I don't really know what to say <laughs> about that. I'd like to know who your two or one or two people that deserve Oscars are. Well, I don't know. It's it's early yet. <laughs> yeah, it's early in Oscars. It's only February. <laughs> we'll have to see what else comes on the scene. Yes, yeah. further in their career, maybe. Okay. I don't, I don't know if if this is eligible for the Oscars yet, but there are some some good performances there. Ha- has there ever been an Oscar one for narration? I don't know. And sound effects. Sound effects definitely. Sound effects, scene direction. Yep. <laughs> I I I think that it was very obvious that some people have seen the movie and others have not. <laughs> I think it's also safe to say that more preparation was done for that scene than the the TBTL players ever did for right. anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but as I said, I hope everybody enjoyed that. So let's move on to a little bit of housekeeping. Everybody, please check out the merch in the merch store. We said on our Super Bowl discussion, we're going to have hoodies with the sleeves cut off. Right, Christy? (laughs) (laughs) Well, how that will happen is it will need to be shipped to me. I'll cut them off and then send it to you because (laughs) this isn't a thing that people actually make. All right. Well, we just want to have the latest football fashions. (laughs) The latest. (laughs) (laughs) And Meredith, you sang the praises of the LRB tote. Yes, I love it. I still do. I don't even get paid for saying that. I just really love it. Mm-hmm. It's a good tote. Yeah. And it's really big. I know. That's what I liked about Substantial. it. Substantial. Uh, the Archive Project continues. Uh, the Archive Project is the whole reason that we can bring you these amazing TBTL player clips. So if you'd like to get involved with that, uh, drop a line at our email and let Christy know and she'll hook you up with the week. And as always, please remember if you are going to be shopping on Amazon, I don't know if you shop on Amazon or not. A few people do, but just in case, <laughs> if you would use our affiliate link uh, at littleredbandwagon.com slash Amazon and kick a few pennies our way, it doesn't cost you anything more and it really adds up for us. We're never going to be rich, but we can afford to pay the LRB players uh, what we make from your Amazon purchases. They don't come cheap. No, they don't. (laughs) They do not. They're highly talented. 
If you would like to get involved with our show, you can visit our website, littleredbandwagon.com. You can send your hug or throw your phone moments to throwyourphone.com. Visit us on Facebook, our page, or we lurk in the Stens page regularly. <laughs> our show Twitter is at LRB Podcast. You can email us at littleredbandwagon.gmail.com. And you can send us a voicemail or a text at 802-432-TBTL. That's 802 802- Four three two eight two eight five, and with that, Christy, why don't you get us out of here? Until next time, this is the next party, and we love you, Jenna, and all your talent. Nailed it. Mid-scene in a beauty shop, bride-to-be Shelby is recovering from a diabetic episode. Her mother, Malin, Malin's friend Claire, beauty shop owner Travi, and her brand-new hairstylist, Anel, are hovering worriedly. every name except for the one that's mistyped. <laughs> Clary has been searching no, in no, Malin's no, no. purse no, for no, candy no. to give no. to Shelby. Take Wait, a two. What do you say? Okay. It's and no. Clary <laughs> and Truvy. What did I say? Travi. 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 You said Claire and Travi. Claire and Travi. It's nuclear. <laughs> I didn't even want to hear how you were going to mangle in there. Rochester. <laughs> Clary. Anel, the only one that's mistyped okay, in there, he got right. Clary. <laughs> <laughs>